what what could be done about that how we could tackle that maybe in in our communities or let's say in also in the in the corporate environment um just to just to do it in in a better way and and uh, get to the root cause treat treat it like breast cancer for whatever uh, yes. what whatever illness you you might like to 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 put there Hello and welcome aboard. Get ready for a new journey here at the Virtual Frontier. Great you have found your way back to the show and if you just joined recently, hit the subscribe button right away so you never miss new episodes. Today I'm joined by Dr. Ralf Friedrich. Ralf is an expert when it comes to coaching virtual teams and he's also a mental health first aid instructor. What? Mental health first aid? You might ask. Yes, you got it right. As every organization above a certain headcount has a dedicated first aid responder for accidents at the workspace, Ralf is convinced, and in my view, righteously convinced, that we not only need first aid responders for physical accidents, but also for mental health issues. But this is still going to be a long way. As in most organizations, mental health issues are blacked out whenever possible and hidden on the individual level out of fear that the mental health issue could affect the career or reputation. Let's take off and see how those fundamental issues could be tackled. So, hello Ralph. Uh, welcome to the Virtual Frontier new episode. I'm really happy to have you here on the show. Science. Uh, a few months I'm, I'm uh, following your work and what you're doing and uh, it's really nice to see. But um, before we uh, start off, maybe you want to give our listeners a short uh, introduction. Who is uh, Ralf? Uh, what, what you're doing? And uh, so we can take it from there. First of all, thanks for being here, Daniel. I'm really looking forward yeah, to our interview. Uh, I'm <clears throat> Ralf. I'm based in Hamburg, Germany, and uh, I run a coaching center and a psychotherapeutic practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm heavily engaged in the field of mental health, first aid, and mental fitness. So it's very important for me to break the ice ne, for mental illnesses ne, that the people are more accepted. So that's really my mission in life, and I'm so thankful that I can talk about this tonight. Yeah, and, and it's a huge, huge and important topic. Could we, uh, before we start off with the, the different questions, first define um, or, or clarify um, what makes a good state of mental health and uh, probably well, how it looks and um, probably in the next uh, uh, section, um, what are signs um, to see if I'm not well, um, probably first on my own or probably on others and what could be done about that? Yeah. There, there's this whole psychology, there's this whole positive psychology. The positive psychology was heavily defined or largely defined by a person called Seligman. And he said, okay, a lot of approaches in psychology is really based on problems and deficiencies. And he started to take it from a point of view and said, okay, what need people to in order to stay fit, to stay happy? And how can you reactivate resources? So he did a lot of work in, in this field, which means basically you have to have good relationships. 
And so relationships are very important. You have to have a positive attitude. You need to be appreciated. There's encouragement going on. And so people who have a positive mindset are more likely to stay fit mentally. So basically, the World Health Organization defines mental problems when you have not enough resources, when you're getting into problems. And mental health is when you have a lot of resilience and you stay really within your own powers. So and we all moving from one pole to the other. I'll give you an example out of my own life. You see, I've moved to Hamburg. Middle of February this year, 2020. And because my, my marriage is over and I decided to go back where I came from. And when I moved to Hamburg in the middle of the lockdown, mm-hmm. surely I had a couple of nights where I slept not very well. I but, but basically, I had enough resilience and resources to keep me back, to keep me going. So if my resources would not have been enough, it's very likely that I would have developed a kind of light depression, for example. So it heavily depends on how you how you deal with the situations you're faced in life and how you keep on top of it by having the right amount of resources and resilience available. So on the other hand, nobody decides to wake up one day and say, oh, what can I do today? So depression would be a good thing to do. Never twice this in my life. Then let's go for it. <laughs> yes. yeah. So basically, basically, people get slowly, very slowly into a mental health issue, mm. into a me- mental health problem. And sometimes people don't know or don't notice ne, that they are changing. Because it's so slowly, ne, you have more thoughts, ne, you feel a little mm. bit less unhappy. Yeah. You wake up at three o'clock for 10 minutes, you wake up for three o'clock for 20 minutes, you wake up for three o'clock for half an hour. So it's, so it's a very, it's a sliding process. Mm. And Goodness. because the self-awareness is not there, you need other people around you who make you aware that something's going on with you. Mm. So, and, and that's the idea of mental health first aid, that people develop an awareness for symptoms yeah, of mental health problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that they can start the conversation about it, which what I've noticed out of my courses I'm, I'm running, that's me approaching a taboo there. So a lot of people have no idea how to approach a conversation about mental health problems. Sure. And the best thing is to, to stay fit, to stay fit, to have positivity in your life, to have good relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the Japanese philosophy, I don't know whether you know this, is called uh, Ikigai. Mm. They have a lot I saw of, it in your work. Yeah? Yeah, I saw it in your work, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So there, there are some guidelines how you can stay happy. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I really like, and I have to practice it a little bit, no? never eat too much. Always stop eating while you are still hungry. Mm. Yeah, so, so there are little things you can do in your life. No? Or for example, another thing you can do is no? you can write in the evening in, in your daily journal. By, mm-hmm. by the way, journaling is very important to stay mentally fit. Yeah, so yeah. write a journal each day a little bit no? about the highlights of the day. Be proud of yourself. It will be a good thing in order to, to stay mentally fit. And then you write into your journal three things 
you are looking forward for the next day to be thankful for and which you will enjoy. And this can be little things. You see, what, what I really like when I'm having my shower in the morning, you see I have a rain shower, and, and I really enjoy showering in the morning. This is little five minutes, but it's the first thing in the day, which is so important to stay mentally fit. Yeah, yeah. How, you start, how, how you start your day that will define how your day goes, right? Yes. And even if I had a good night, bad night's sleep, being in the shower and enjoying myself there for five minutes, is something I'm looking forward to each day when I'm in my apartment. Is that something what I've noticed, what I'm missing when I'm not in my apartment because I'm traveling? Yeah. So yeah. Be, be thankful for little things and you know, looking forward for the things you really like to appreciate the next day. That's, that's the thing to stay mentally fit. Hmm? Two things that stood out to me there uh, I would like to follow up. First, um, you mentioned just uh, as you moved to, to Hamburg, um, you didn't feel so well maybe for a couple of days and you didn't sleep well. Um, those are things that you could fight off or, or co uh, cope with your resilience that you have already built up. W when does the co point come um, where you should probably seek out for help or speak to someone, articulate uh, in, in some way? Um, with a, with a, a third or a second person um, uh, that you have a problem or that you don't feel well, where, where's, where, where should I do the difference? The thing really is, <clears throat> most probably yourself, you will not notice really that you're developing a mental health problem. It's more your friends, it's more the family, it's more the colleagues who have to be aware of this and approach the conversations. So they say, well, I've no I've noticed no, over the last three to four weeks, no, you're not smiling anymore. You're not laughing so much anymore. So, and, and I'm really concerned about you because I always enjoyed when you were laughing. So what's going on in your life? Yeah, and I think that's, that's really important to have conversations like this. Yeah. Is that, that you see, okay, my colleague, my friend, no, my partner, no, something's going on there. The mental health problem normally develops over time, it has to be present for at least two weeks before we can classify it. There's a diagnosis manual out, which is called the ICD-10, International Classification of Diseases. In the US, they use the DCM-5, which is a similar approach to diagnose mental health problems or mental health disorders. So, If the person is one or two days ne, in an unhappy state, there's nothing to worry. It only starts to worry after about four weeks, I would say. And okay. it's very unlikely that you will notice it before. Yeah. And then this, the environment will notice the change. Because it's most likely that ne, on a subconscious level, you may notice this. Ne, but this is hitting the blind spot. You know the Johari window? Yeah. Ne, which ne, I know, you know, hmm? I don't know, you don't know. And normally, you know, developing a mental health problem is a blind spot for the person, him or herself or herself. So it's very important that the environment is addressing this issue to this person. And in some cases, in some cases, there can be a, also a resistance. Now, I'm convinced people notice there's a change going on, but they don't want to believe that the change is going on because there's so much stigma around mental health problems. Hmm. So, interestingly enough, also, 
for example, depression is shown differently between women and men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Women may get a little bit more emotional, and men is uh, reacting with a lot of more of aggressive, uh, aggressive behavior, also mm -hmm. aggressive behavior towards themselves, yeah, because they notice they say they're not bringing the performing something is going on, and hence important yeah, that the environment is giving them the feedback very very early on. But when men don't get depressions, men get burnout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is basically the same thing. Hmm. Why? Why is it uh, that there is still so much hiding on the one side and this uh, stigmatizing on the other other side uh, when it comes to mental health issues? And and especially there, I, I see it in in um, the corporate environment and moreover uh, with the male population. Let's put it like that in general. <laughs> Interesting you, uh, you say this. By the way, if you look at the statistics, the statistics say, show something else. If you look at the statistics, you can see about uh, uh, twice as many women uh, are reported having mental health issues than men. Uh, There's only one, one uh, specific mental health problem where the ratio is different, where you have double, double the men as a woman, and this is with alcohol and substance abuse hmm. problems, which means Men start with uh, misguided self-medication. <laughs> so they say instead of seeing a, a professional, uh, they, they have a discussion with Johnny Walker. Is it hmm? okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? and, and so, and particularly in the corporate world, if, if I'm a manager and I'm in charge of people, And I have to admit no, that, that I cannot cope with the situation anymore because with the COVID situation, with the client situation, with lockdowns, perhaps everything is getting too much for myself. Mm. No, they are afraid that they will say, okay, you cannot be a manager anymore. So no, instead of believing that the organization will provide the necessary support no, to them, no, they say, okay, most probably I will get punished because I do not bring the performance anymore. Mm. Hence, they're uh, not open to this. On the other hand, the stigmatization is, is something which is real. I can give you an example no? here in Germany. A friend of mine, she's a, she's a doctor, and her friend no? had a really love problems, which means when she studied, no? her relationship broke up, and she saw a psychologist for three sessions to overcome no? the... The, the profound sadness that the relationship is over. And when she opened her own practice, she's a GP, then, and she wanted to have an insurance ne, against ne, uh, the liability for herself ne, when she's getting sick, that she gets continuous payment and stuff like this. She was refused by the insurance company because she had already ne, psychotherapeutic treatments. Ne, during the young age, and this is completely ridiculous. I know a lot of people ne, who want to become teachers here, and they <clears throat> shortly become, before their final exam, they really have nervous breakdowns and things like this. Yep. And they don't tell it anybody because they're afraid, because otherwise they will not get ne, the job as a teacher. Or probably in, in consequence, the health insurance in their practice. And, yeah, and all this stuff like this. So. <laughs> And you see, mental health problems and disorders are diagnosable diseases. You can, for example, see this. If a woman 
has breast cancer. Hmm? Everybody in the surrounding will say, ah, no, we are so sorry for you, and it must be very hard, and all the stuff like this, okay? Yeah. We know that the, that the load no, and the lost years of, of life, happiness, no, and fulfillment of breast cancer is, is a similar thing as if you suffer a, a heavy depression. But when you have a heavy depression, a lot of people say, okay, don't worry about this. Then I see this Netflix uh, movie and you are happy again and stuff like this. So there's, there's absolutely no comprehension mm. amongst this, the surrounding with mental health issues. Mm. So that's one thing. The other thing is, in a lot of cases, there, is no, there are no mental health professionals available to help you. If we have a, at least in Germany, we have a shortage of them. And I think it's the same all over the world. And many people cannot afford no, psychotherapeutic. No treatments yeah. because it costs money you see yeah, it costs yeah. round about like having a luxury summer vacation mm -hmm. so you have the choice do i go on a luxury summer vacation or do i go into a psychotherapeutic treatments yeah. so there are choices to make yeah. so these are the main reasons now and the person mm, him herself themselves they don't see that they need to see a professional that's another thing which comes on top of this What what could be done about that? How we could tackle that? Maybe in in our communities, or let's say, in also in the in the corporate environment, um, just to just to do it in in a better way and and uh, get to the root cause, treat treat it like breast cancer for whatever uh, yes. what, whatever illness you you might like to to, to put there. The thing is that since the year 2000, there is a global program out which is called Mental Health First Aid. Yeah. MHFA, and basically the idea was uh, there was a nurse, Betty Kitchener, and she got de depression herself, and she said there was nobody available to give first aid to her, and saying, hey, something's going wrong, see a professional. And together with, with a <clears throat> psychiatrist, no? now she they, the two developed the idea no, of creating this two days training where everybody can learn, no, the basics of mental health, mm. of uh, mental health problems, and how to talk to the people, and how to address, uh, how to start a conversation. And I think that's very important, but everybody who wants to get a driver's license has to go on a first aid course, correct? Hmm? And then you learn all this stuff, and most it's very, very likely that you will never use this stuff in real life. How likely is it that you find somebody subconscious no? that you have to provide first aid? And on the other hand, you have to see, at least in Germany, about no, 30% of the population no, is at risk each year to develop a mental health issue, which is quite a lot, isn't it? So it's yep. significantly more likely that you will be mm, providing mental health first aid than the normal first aid. Mm -hmm. And the people need to get a qualification in order to do this. So basically, they have to understand how does it work now from a, from a mental health problems perspective. This means they, they need to know, okay, this person seems that uh, he or she is developing uh, depression. And then they learn how to talk to this person. So there's a model behind, a communication model, which is called in German, watcher. 
The okay. English original world is algae. And Roger stands for, ne, you react, which is basically the hardest thing to do. Reacting ne, uh, and saying, okay, I need to talk to you. I observe something. Hmm? Then hmm, you, you really, really need to be open because people with mental health. <clears throat> okay, so ne, mental health first responders, ne, they learn a communication model. And this communication model is called Roger. In English, it's called algae. So I think Roger is a nicer way to express yeah, the, the model. And R stands for respond. So you see somebody is developing a mental health issue, yeah, and you contact this person proactively in a very nice way. And during, while you're talking to this person, you also look for signs of a crisis. <clears throat> then what's very important, open communication, which means we really uh, manage ourselves uh, and accept the person, how the person is, and approach them empathically and also ask them how do they feel. Hmm? That's the O. And in many cases, uh, particularly if you have an um, alcohol or drug, drug abuse issue on hands, it's very important to stay only at the R and the O, not go any further at all. Hmm? So you repeat this. The next one is give information. Give information that mental health issues are common, ne, that they are clearly de, uh, defined, ne, that they can be diagnosed. Ne? And also give support ne, in the psychosocial area, which means ne, do the people need to apply for certain funds in order to get therapy? Ne? Do they need support in the schooling system, stuff like this? The next one is ne, encourage to see a professional. And the last one is reactivate resources. And it's a model, which means basically you have five building blocks and you use the building blocks as you go along, okay? So you use, for example, no, uh, uh, response, response, respond, reactivate resources, no? be open, respond, no? give information. So basically you go with the flow. You go with the flow and this will help the person a lot. This will help the person a lot and encourage the person to seek professional help. This can be self-help, this can be reliable resources on the internet, this can be mm, mental health apps, for example. Yes, so lots of things that people can do themselves. <clears throat> because if somebody wants to mm, recover yeah, from a mental health problem, so there are five things the person has to do. First of all, the person needs to have hope. Hope that yeah, he or she or they can get healthy again. And mm -hmm. They need to have a certain motivation. Motivation eh? and say, okay, I can do this. They need uh, information. Eh? Information eh? about what's possible. And mm, they need uh, to be encouraged. Eh? Support. And then they also need eh? to be in charge of themselves. This means the responsibility, accountability has to stay with them. For example, if you see a normal doctor, if you see a, a GP, basically you say, no, doctor, here's my body, do something. And then the doctor will do something with the body and you will be happy again. Like, for example, taking some pills or getting some injections and stuff like this. In mental health, it works differently. In mental health, it works in such a way that the person has to do a, a lot of work on himself, herself, themselves, in order to get healthy again. And, and that's really the issue. That's the issue that the people 
need to work between the sessions ne, heavily on the issues in order to recover quickly. And hence, all these things ne, are known by mental health first aiders, and they can then provide the information. Now you said we have an issue, we have an issue with, mm, with the workplace. Because when you see somebody's not performing, you don't know, is it a mental... <coughs> Sorry. Kein Problem. So, at the workplace, if you're a manager and you see somebody's not bringing the performance, then you need to address this. On one hand, there can be a mental health problem behind, that the person is not bringing the performance anymore. But on the other hand, no, you cannot really no, accept that the person is, uh, has, is delivering a lower performance than the rest mm. of the team, because then the rest of the team will get angry. And what I've noticed, what's coming more and more is that companies, that companies implement the role of a mental health first, first aider, first responder. So, which means it's an organizational role. The people are known in the company, and people can anonymously go to these people and say, "Okay, I have an issue." And when the people have this, yeah, it provides the right sense of safety and security. And also for the managers, it would be good to have a person yeah, where they can right. redirect the people to and say, "Okay, it's not for me. I see you have an issue." I would like to see that, uh, that you're contacting these people and encourage them. And then they will do the right conversations. The impact of these mental health first aid courses are phenomenal. Uh, I just received an email this week uh, where there was a young teacher who was in a course and he said, okay, he had, a, he had a student and she never showed up for any exams. And normally she was, he was ready to give her a failed mark. But then uh, he spoke to her and using the Roger principle. And he noticed that this young woman is really anxious ne, and presenting something. Ne, so they found a different way where she can present something ne, without being in front of the class ne, so that she can pass the course. And he said he would never thought about this ne, before he attended the course. So there, there are lots of good things going on. And you need to also to understand that about two-thirds of the mental health issues start before the age of 25, which means particularly people in the teenage times, they are very vulnerable yep. ne, to get a mental health problem, and this is <laughs> only diagnosed in many cases, unfortunately. Yeah, it's so very important that the, the teachers, yeah, that the parents yeah, are really aware of the situation, what's going on there. And we are living in, a, in, a, in difficult times, yeah, mainly due to the pandemic. So, hence, it's, it's important that more and more people get a good understanding of yeah, how does mental health work, what's the mental health problem, and how can I help and how can yeah. I be supportive. And this needs to be learned. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of Things has to do with knowledge, and the other thing with practice, having conversations on a regular basis. And also at the workplace, no, these roles are more and more on demand. And I'm happy to see that the world is changing towards a, a good, in a good way, in a good sense, no, that more and more organizations accept that mental health first aid 
is important. But as you just pointed out, I think this is also really a systemic problem. Just mentioned that um, a huge amount of young people are already like developing those kind of mental health issues. And isn't it the, t the point that we are like setting the wrong narratives? Like, just let's start with the basic things. What what makes us happy, right? Um, we're getting we're getting like uh, yeah. from the young age educated in the wrong direction. Um, okay, looking for a great job and uh, whatever that might be, uh, uh, have a good income, a, a great salary, um, whatever, a nice house. Yeah. And those those things are. are not making us really happy, but um, most of the education is focused more more in this direction uh, than really focusing on the things what what, what makes us really happy. Um, I, I was uh, seeing that also in your work, and I, I had uh, uh, heard about that before, and I just would like to put it out. And uh, there was a work for, uh, done on on the Harvard uh, School of Public Health a couple of years by by Solnik and Hemingway, where they they did an interesting experiment where they offered um, students uh, two different options of of job right um there there you can earn yeah. uh dollars uh, um, per per year while um your coworkers will all earn just the 30000 and on the other side uh, or the other model was you could earn a uh, 100000 yeah. and all of your colleagues uh, coworkers was, would earn uh, 120000 and they would uh, be uh, given the choice to choose one of them and the huge amount of the, it's crazy, yeah? the, the, the yeah. huge amount for over 50% choose lower salary just to stay ahead of their, their, their coworkers. And this is so ridiculous. And it, this happens in, in so yes. many different, uh, uh, areas of, of work and, and, uh, education also, um, where we really would have to look out for, right? Yeah. It's, it's called wrong wishing or wrong wishes, yeah, which means we, we strive for something which gives us short-term happiness instead of long-term happiness. There are other studies out, for example, the happiness factors uh, in the U.S. dropped hmm, over the last hmm, couple of years, and whereby the happiest country in the world is Bhutan, a very small uh, yeah. state in the Himalaya, which, which I think is quite interesting. And the people there you know, they have a significantly yeah. more relaxed lifestyle. And they are happier with, with the things they have. Mm. We see a lot of things going on, and particular one, one of the aspects which makes us unhappy is social media. Because on social media, ne, you, you don't show your weaknesses and your sadnesses. You only show ne, how many friends you have, how great you are, what you achieve, mm, your fears, ne, your anxiety has no space in social media. So basically, you have a big circle. Of your life, and just one little dot is what you publish on social media. And then when the other people see, oh, this person is so happy, so happy, so happy, there's their own unhappiness yeah, is getting amplified. Hmm? So, which means they're more likely to develop a mental health no. <clears throat> problem. And I think that's that's the thing we need to view as well. So, we, we have significantly more exposure. No. The last two years, we only get very negative comments yeah, with the pandemic. Yeah, so here in Germany, yeah, they say, no, in this city we have already four cases of the new mutant and stuff like this. No? So what? Yeah, after this mutant, we will have hundreds of other mutants, more than the Greek alphabet, wherever give us options to. 
Yeah, and and we have to learn and to deal with this situation. And we still have to see, okay, what's what are the great things which are going on, and what are the little things which keeps us laugh and joy each and every day. Hmm. And sometimes I think it's good yeah, to just you know, shut down all the negative news around you for some time hmm, to get grounded again. You know, or do something which really makes you happy each day. And like this, like this, you now perhaps we can you know, we can help the people. So, for example, if if you have children, you know, spend time with them, play with them. Yeah. This this will help you a lot, and this will create yeah. good encounters, experiences. Mm, you know, shut down your yeah. mobile phone after six o'clock. Mm? Yeah, so the little things you can do yeah, in order to improve your own happiness. And I think at the end of the day, yeah, happiness is very important because nobody, nobody, you know, will take the money with him in the next life. No, it's just the next and, life. And you mentioned it already like several times yeah. uh, um, in, in this conversation, I would like to point it out. It's like the small things that makes the difference there, right? Um, getting enough sleep, uh, be kind to other persons, um, connect with others, uh, just yeah. mentioned family around, community, whatever it is. Um, so, and Many, many may be saying, okay, this is, this is a huge activity. No, it's not. It's like the, the, the small continuously activities that will let you into a better state of mental health. And yeah. if you just like, um, care, care about each of them a little bit, then uh, that will help you. I, that's my assumption. <laughs> yes. Yes. One powerful thing is if you provide a really <laughs> good praise to everybody around you. So if you see somebody, somebody did something well, you really emphasize what the other person did well. And this will make the other person significantly happier and yourself as well. You see, because then you will see yeah. more good things around you, which will help. Now, I had a call yesterday with, with the CEO of a company who is part of a larger company, but really a little bit into trouble and we brainstormed solutions in there. And came up with a brain, so he said, oh, no, I have a problem there. And the second one, have a problem there. Third one, have a problem there. And I said, did you ever notice that with every possible solution which you may, could pursue, <laughs> you only react with a problem statement? And just by pointing this out to him, it changed his mindset completely. It shifted his energy instantaneously. Hmm? So he said, you're right. Yeah, I was completely yeah. in, a, in a circle where I couldn't get out anymore. And so you need people around you who who also provide you good feedback and honest feedback hmm, to change your mind, to shift your mind, yeah, to yeah, build up energy again. So relationships are very, very important. I think this is the worst thing which can happen to you is if you're, if you're too much alone, too much, yeah, if yeah. you encounter too much loneliness in your own life. What could be done about that in the, in the, in the corporate in, environment, let's say now we are having like uh, working more and more in, in different uh, work settings, remote work setting, virtual team settings. Um, so we can foster this this environment where it's okay um, on on one on the one side to to showing vulnerability, um, on the other side to say okay, there, I'm I'm not feeling well. I need help seeking out for this first day. Um, however that might look in the individual situation, but how, how could it be fostered there in, uh, yeah. in, in, a, in a corporate environment? Because the economic uh, um, weight on this is, is like heavy. How, how much money is uh, 
uh, and resources are lost and on spent and wasted every year on on not yeah. treated or mal uh, yeah, bad, badly treated uh, uh, mental health issues. I, I see. First of all, with the pandemic, now the home office work increased significantly. And a lot of people, first of all, they, they don't really have a nice home office place. Now, I know many people who have their home office working place in the bathroom, which I think is vicious. Because the, the room where you recover and the room you work is then collapsing, which I think is psychologically really the wrong thing to do. Now, on the other hand, if, if you are in your mid-40s to mid-50s, for example, and you live on your own and you don't have any children, and you're only working with your computer and don't see anybody, don't touch anybody anymore, mm -hmm. you really can get very, very lonely. Now, and mm. when, when you are working in, the, in your company premise, on the company premises, now people were there and uh, you can see them. You went for lunch together, you had a coffee break together. In the US, you meet on the water cooler, and all these things are gone. On the other hand, what's also possible is that people spend more time talking to each other as well, or chatting informally from time to time. There are also apps out where you say, I go on a coffee break, and another person says, I'm going on a coffee break, and the system puts the people together randomly so that they make no new networks in the company. That's I think that's quite fun. On the other hand, it's also important that uh, the manager is seeking also a contact on a more personal level. And I know a lot of managers have issues with this. On the other hand, uh, if you don't have a good and strong relationship and you don't know what's going on in the life of your coworkers, it's very hard to be effective uh, and to be helpful and supportive. Hmm. So at the end of the day, it's important that we have a Got open heart you know, for the needs you know, and the, the anxieties of the people. It's, I think it's, it needs a shift in the management paradigm. That we are not there to, to get the maximum out of the people, you know, but we are there that the people can perform well and creating a surrounding and environment where the people can perform. And therefore, I think also managers should have a basic knowledge of how mental health is working on top of all the other things yeah. they need to know. Hmm. So knowledge, knowledge ne, and having a, a good attitude and good values ne, are important ne, in order to change the situation and build connections. At the end of the day, it will all come exactly. down to the relationship you have. No, and as, as you just mentioned before, um, with the, the first aid and, and in each company uh, for for normal accidents whatever um the the percentage is is, is really low that you use it but uh, if you compare it with the um mental health issue or the percentage of mental health issue that are presented uh, in, a, in whatever environment um then probably that should be something uh, in the basic uh, managerial uh, education that everyone every, yes. everyone should 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 do that right more no I'm fully with you, Daniel. I'm fully with you. I think everybody should be educated in mental health first aid right? because there's a need no. and there's a growing need. There's a growing need because we are, we are really in a time no. where the world is heavily under stress. 
Everybody is pressed for time. Now everybody has very full schedules now. And there's a lot of fear going on in the world as well right now. Don't know what will happen with the pandemic. We will not happen with what will happen with China and the US and Russia and Ukraine. And so many, many changes going on. And this can eat up a lot of resources you have. That's the point, yeah. What, what brings me to, to, to my next question? What is this, what, what is at stake if we are not well, like really taking this serious, like uh, as individuals, but also in the organizational level, um, to care about the, the well-being of my uh, employees or coworkers, uh, whatever? Um, what, what is at stake if we're, if we're not taking it really seriously and, and also the actions uh, thwarted? <laughs> I think if you have an environment where the people take care of their mental health, their mental, mental fitness, people are more likely to perform well and being less sick. Because you see, if you, you, if you get into a burnout, a burnout, it's a very researched process now. It has 12 steps before you're really completely burned out and it takes years to get into this full burnout. So if companies avoid burnouts, then they avoid a lot of long-term sickness leave. And they will create more creativity and happiness in the company. And this will excel in performance. And because it's not really financially quantifiable to a cent, some managers don't believe in it. But I know from my own experience, People who are mentally fit and who enjoy uh, their work, they are ready to go the extra mile and don't see this as a burden. But by where people uh, who are always pressed out and they're low in energy, they don't um, bring up the right creative solutions for the times we're living in. So for me, it will be a competitive uh, differentiator of a company whether they invest actively in the mental health of their co-workers or not. And companies who will do this will be significantly more successful than companies who don't do this. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's got this kind, is a kind of logic on the one side, right? If you see that there is a company that cares really about the uh, well-being and mental health uh, from their their employees, um, they just perform better. Um, we're not even talking about high performance in the, per se, but yes. uh, if you if you if your if your body is no. well if you have that's something personal right also if you have slept well um you could just can do more things and uh, uh, with less tirement on the other side and and still be uh, full of uh, full of energy yes yeah. exactly. yes and the motivation will be there and you will get the 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 acknowledgments and the achievements you really need and this will be a, a positive circle a self-empowering system. So I hope that more and more managers will go for this. More and more companies will will see that that's basically their route to success. Do do you see it like, um, just to round it up for today, um, uh, do you have like positive outlooks? We just um, catched up on that or, or positive examples, what you see, um, in, in, in your environment of work or, or as well in, 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 and at your work in general, um, things that are like going really well um, or developing well um, in, in this uh, space of work, uh, of mental health or well-being? 
it's a mega trend. It's really a mega trend. What I see is um, there are more and more uh, institutions coming up uh, out now, popping up, providing mental health, mental fitness for for companies. I see that companies are establishing hotlines for the employees in order to contact them on a numerous basis. I see a lot of mm. tech companies coming up in this area where you have apps, which gives you day-to-day -day practice, which you can do little things. So more and more of these mental health activities will be supported by technology. And there are already studies out which show that there's a bot with artificial intelligence who can provide conversations to somebody who's suffering depression nearly with the same degree of effectiveness as a human being. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. However, yeah, these things are all very, very structured, yeah? and at some stage it will fail because it cannot be intelligent as such, yeah? and uh, there's no connection between the body and the brain. It's a machine. It only has a brain. And basically, we as human beings, yeah, we have to see ourselves as an entire system. And what I see now in terms of mental fitness and mental health is then more and more approaches in psychotherapy and in mental health you know, are connecting the brain and the body. So I see there's there are lots of trends coming up in this area, a lot of changes in this area that you know, psychotherapy will be more fun and lighthearted you know, than the old versions of psychotherapy where you lay down on a couch and you really have to associate on the pictures coming up yeah. to your mind. And, so I see a lot of positive trends in the therapy approach. I see also that coaching is developing back more into mental health coaching. So we had a time where coaching was only in the sports sector. Then we had a time where coaching was in the business sector, but not connecting the mind and the body. And I see now that, that really highly qualified coaches né, can work with the mind and the body. So I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic that we will see good, good improvements and achievements over the next couple of years. And I think a lot of these achievements have only been possible because we have been in the pandemic. I see the pandemic as an accelerator yeah. for mental health, mental fitness. That's, that's, a, that's a good uh, perspective on that, a good outlook. Um, Ralf, any any closing thoughts? Uh, something you would like to give give away for for our audience um, that that is today listening? Something important? Some sort of from on on your life? I, I really said okay. If if you haven't been on a mental health first aid uh, course yourself, go for it. It can be really life saving for your friends, families, and colleagues if you approach them early on. And to, to close this interview with a, with a little case I had now, you see, I, two years ago, you know, there was a mother coming with her daughter to my practice. You know, she was 19 years old and she was developing OCD, obsessive compulsory disorder. So, and she said, okay, can you take her? Because normally in the public system, You have to wait uh, between 18 to 24 months in Germany, in some areas. And four months later, she was free of symptoms, mm, which was a success story. No? Mm, worked pretty well. Her compliance was excellent. And so four months later, she was free of symptoms. OCD was gone. 
Yeah, I have another client, and I think I'm an AIDS therapist, and she's with me now for four years, and she will be with me, I guess, for another year. Hmm? Because it's so long that she's fighting with this. So yeah, the best service you can give to your friend, yeah, to your family member, not to your colleagues, if you spot a change in their mental health, yeah, to talk to them to the, quickly so that they can seek professional help quickly, because this will improve tremendously yeah, their time where they will recover. Yeah, so get educated and spread the word. That's my message to the audience. Thanks for Thank listening. you very much uh, for the conversation, Ralph. Um, today, um, thank you for your time and, and your insights. Um, when people would like to know more about you, about your work, how, how can they find you or um, how should they approach? Uh, I have several websites out. Né? So I think the best thing is just send me an email. Mm, and uh, mm, I have the... And I think sure. you will link it in the in this podcast where they can contact me anytime. Send me a message on on WhatsApp, on on LinkedIn, wherever, and I'm happy to talk to you about you about mental health and how to get qualified there. And yeah, happy happy to talk to you. Many Very people much appreciate and um, hope that um, they will take the chances and uh, opportunities. Thank you very much again and have a nice afternoon there. Yes. Bye. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Back we are from a journey into the world of mental health on the corporate level. We hope you'll take the next steps and implement a mental health first aid responder in your organization. When you feel that you need to do something about your personal state of mental health, look out for assistance. This could be a person of your trust or a mental health professional. The key is not to wait and take the first step. We hope you found this session helpful and you got some practical takeaways on how to build a work environment where mental health and the well-being are the same important as physical integrity. What have you missed in this episode? How can we do better? Let us know in the comments and reviews. And as always, before you leave, hit the subscribe button, give us a thumb up and share the session around with your friends and colleagues. Your action helps us to grow this show and keep you informed and updated on trending topics about the future of work. On behalf of the team here at the Virtual Frontier, I want to thank you for listening. So until the next episode, keep exploring new frontiers. Thank you.